Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nexus Podcast. I'm your host, James Dice. Each week, I fire questions at the leaders of the smart buildings industry to try to figure out where we're headed and how we can get there faster without all the marketing fluff. I'm pushing my learning to the limit, and I'm so glad to have you here following along. This episode is a conversation with Ari Berendrecht, founder and CEO of WiredScore, and Sanj Ranasinga, technical director of WiredScore. We talked about the role certification programs can play in smart building technology adoption, the founding of WiredScore, the company. Then we took a deep dive into the WiredScore certification program and their new SmartScore certification program, which is launching next week to much anticipation in the commercial real estate world. This was fun to unpack and very validating, as you'll see. Please enjoy. All right, Ari and Sanj, welcome to the show. Uh, can you introduce yourself? Maybe starting with you, Ari. Yeah, happy to. Um, James, thanks for having us. We're both fans of, of the podcast. Uh, my name is Ari Berendrecht. I'm the founder and CEO of Wired Score, um, based here in New York City. Cool. Cool. Hey. How about you, Sanj? Hey, yeah, I'm Sanj Ranasinga. I'm based in London and I'm technical director for Wired Score. Awesome. So, you guys have both been doing this together for a while now, about four or five years. Um, can you talk about each of your backgrounds before Wired Score, and then maybe bring us up into the founding of the of the company? Yeah, happy to. I'll I'll give my background first, uh, and then Sand, you can go, and I'll and I can tell the quick uh, founding story. Probably unique to your podcasts, uh, James. I I'm a full industry outsider, so I have no real estate or engineering or telecommunications experience. Uh, most of my career was spent in professional services, most recently in management consulting. Uh, I was at Boston Consulting Group prior to founding Wired Score. But kind of the common thread that drew me to, to founding the business and solving the, the, the problems that we do is most of my career in management consulting was focused on helping kind of age-old analog industries adapt to the emergence of new technologies and, and to the digital age. And that meant, as all good management consultants do, a um, wide variety of industries, financial services, transportation, uh, media and entertainment. Maybe the best example was newspapers, where um, I had to help one very large newspaper company think about how they exist and thrive in the future in a world where you've lost your monopoly on news because information is widely available to everyone and everyone's a reporter with you know, a, a phone and camera in your pocket. And, and I see a lot of similarities between that strategic work and my preparation for Wired Score, which, was, which is really to be a part of a industry-wide transformation of a you know, age, age old industry as it goes from bricks and mortar and prepares to thrive in a digital world um, and, and buildings become computers with, with roofs on them as is the cliche term. Um, Sandra, do you wanna share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, it's a, a bit of a different starting point, but a very similar end point. Um, so I am an engineer by trading um, and I started life as a software developer who actually developed um, security cameras, so CCTV cameras. And I spent 10 years in industry that evolved on that same journey that Ari mentioned. When I started the industry as a lonely software engineer, everything was recorded on VCR or on DVDs. 
Uh, and when I left uh, in the mid to 2010s, uh, we were controlling cameras across a whole building uh, with your phone. And not only that, the cameras have started to be integrated into access control or into other systems in the building. And I realized looking back that I'd just been through a digital transformation of a, a small industry being security cameras and the opportunity for WideScore to see how that digital transformation could scale up to huge office and real estate across the world was something that I couldn't um, say no to. Cool. You probably read the news about the hack at Verkata a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, there's um, some scary, some scary stories around <laughs> getting into those systems for sure. Yeah, yeah, I went down a rabbit hole of like, what did they see, you know, and and like, it's a, it's different than another hack, right? Where you're actually seeing people doing things, right? Uh, yeah, the uh, that was definitely a weird one. Yeah, I think that emotional, that emotional side of like thinking mm-hmm. is how people are looking at you just makes such a difference, um, and especially as it's sort of becoming, you know, something similar in London a few years ago, but. Yeah, balancing out the good that that technology can deliver along with the problems that it causes is like a, a key problem that we need to look in, in the industry for sure. Cool. And then somewhere around five years ago, you met you met Ari and he he roped you into this journey together. Huh? <laughs> that, that, that was it. Yeah, Ari, um, as uh, WideScore had been set up in the UK for a year and then was looking to expand across Europe. And I was brought on board uh, initially to help the the movement of the product into France and Germany, and then took a more central role into how we develop all our scorecards and helped us to expand across the different verticals and now into, into smart buildings. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So tell me about the founding, Ari. Uh, what was the sort of the impetus? Like you said, you wanted to be part of the digital transformation. Why did you choose scorecards in general? And, and what was sort of the, the the reason that you decided to go down that route? Yeah. Yeah. So of course, I wasn't um, sitting at home uh, as a management consultant thinking, you know, what I really want to do is join the digital transformation of, of the built environment. Um, <laughs> uh, that would have been amazing. It, you know, instead, the original thesis for Wired Score came from uh, the same place I think a lot, of, a lot of business ideas do, which is listening to people vent about their, about their problems. And for me... Um, I had a, a number of friends from grad school who had left to start their own companies and would hear them from time to time complain about the pain of either getting internet set up in their offices or just the quality of the internet infrastructure in their buildings. Mm. You know, friends needing to send their employees to coffee shops or back to their homes and apartments to get work done because things weren't, weren't working as effectively as they should in the office. And hearing those complaints, like a small light bulb went off. Like it just seemed at the time very surprising that these, you know, fancy New York City buildings weren't able to sustain and support kind of basic operations for for some of their tenants. And so I started doing a little bit of discovery into that. And more and more as I looked under the hood, I found a a number of problems in this space. I found, I think from an occupier perspective, from you know, the perspective of, of companies renting office space, a pretty consistent pattern of it, it being difficult to access really high quality uh, connectivity that a business could depend on, or a lack of information, I should say, and or a lack of information about which buildings have really good internet. Like everyone that had signed office leases communicated the same feeling of, taking a chance 
you know, crossing your fingers or knocking on wood that the digital connectivity would be what they needed it to be. And then on the landlord side, as I started asking some folks on the real estate side of the table, the really consistent response I would get when I would ask questions like, how are you planning for or ensuring you provide great digital connectivity to your tenants? The common response in 2013 would be, well, we don't because that's a tenant responsibility. Um, we, we provide this beautiful office space with you know, wide floor plates and great views and, and the tenant deals, deals with the rest. And I think the confluence of those two things was my aha moment, which, which was basically that something that companies really depend on to be productive and happy in their space was something like not at all on the radar screen of landlords and developers. Um, and that was obviously causing problems. And so I thought there was, was a problem that needed solving there. And it wasn't hard to kind of put my finger on a solution to that problem, which was to look at analogs in the real estate industry, uh, kind of most, most importantly, sustainability certifications, hmm. um, who had for kind of decades already, or at least a decade and a half, kind of brought transparency to the market as to which, which buildings are energy efficient and are, are delivering sustainability um, and kind of create a common language that tenants and brokers and landlords could use to benchmark energy efficiency. And so the idea for Wired Score was born, which was to create a certification standard but focused on digital connectivity instead of sustainability as Lead had done. And we, 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 I sought out to bring that to market in, in 2013. Um, slow going in, in the early stages to say the least. I, I kept getting the response from real estate companies that they understood, they understood that internet connectivity was very important, but they, they would prefer not to compete on yet another factor like another thing for a landlord uh, to worry about mm -hmm. um and so in in very polite new york city real estate language uh, most landlords said interesting idea but we'd prefer for you to not create wired score um <laughs> okay my first response to that would have been okay i better do it then like how did you like <laughs> respond <laughs> I think that's, I think that's exactly it. Like anything that's causing a little bit of friction um, probably means that there's some value there, there underneath. And it probably made me more determined to create what ultimately became wired score. Mm -hmm. um, the, the one problem that I, that I couldn't solve is um, credibility is, is fundamental to any certification or, or, you know, kind of ratings business. And the, the other challenge surfaced in my early landlord conversations was like, look, um, you know, LEED is, is supported by uh, USGBC and, and clearly has this kind of momentum behind it. How do we know that your certification is going to matter? And that was a good question. And, and, and luckily I found a good answer there, which was to partner with uh, the New York City government. So back when hmm. Mayor Bloomberg was in office, you might recall he was kind of quite vocal about New York City, you know, rivaling or exceeding Silicon Valley as a global tech hub. And Bloomberg and his team did a lot of thinking about how to make New York City 
a place that would attract and retain you know, the world's best technology companies. And access to great internet connectivity was, was one of the things on that playbook on how to make New York City a great, a great tech hub. Um, and so it, it wasn't super hard to convince Bloomberg and his team that New York City should be the first place in the world to have a certification that evaluates internet connectivity in office buildings. Um, so our launch date on September 30th, 2013, was a uh, Mayor Bloomberg press conference in, in downtown Brooklyn announcing that there was a new program at the time called Wired NYC that would bring transparency to the entire ecosystem around which buildings have great uh, internet connectivity. And we were kind of off, off and running from there. Cool. So I have two follow-up questions on this. This is fascinating. Uh, well, so first, did you start this on the side um, while you were at Boston Consulting? And was there a point where you said, okay, like I have enough traction where I'm going to quit? Or did you take the leap and suddenly have no income and like it's the classic like founder story or how did, how did that work for you personally? So um, I had I had started actually something else on the side, an, an e-commerce business, which helped me make the leap from consulting into becoming an entrepreneur. Okay. Um, but then during the early stages of that business, I started uh, thinking about Wired Score. Mm. And so I was already without any income. <laughs> okay. And in building something, but the, the first business was, was actually in the skateboard industry of all places. Oh, okay. And um, which I grew up in Southern California and that was a big part of my, of my upbringing. Um, but then when the Wired Score idea came to mind, um, I, you know, I kind of got the sense that this could be, could be bigger, but maybe more importantly, could be like a lot more impactful. Like, you know, I, I believed and still believe, and I think our whole team is excited by the idea that we are impacting the way that buildings are designed and, and operated. Hmm. And that's a hard thing. You know, it's hard to rival that level of impact when you're selling uh, skateboards on the internet. <laughs> okay. Uh, and does the skateboard company still exist or did that fizzle out? Uh, it fizzled out, RIP. Okay. RIP, yeah, but I, I have a lot of skateboards in uh, in storage uh, inventory that still needs to be liquidated if uh, if you're interested, James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a funny story. We haven't talked about, you and I have talked several times, but we haven't talked about that. So it's good to get that background. So my second yeah. question was around how you overcame that initial uh, sort of resistance. I, I'd say that's more than resistance from the landlords who ended up becoming your customer, right? Right. So how do you say uh, from an innovation standpoint, how do you go from wired NYC to partnering with, you know, the Bloomberg administration all the way to, okay, now these landlords are accepting of the idea of even being scored on this. And now they're my customers. How's that work? <laughs> it, yeah, it is. It was quite a, a journey to take them on. Um, I think there were a couple, a couple drivers of getting real estate companies to ultimately adopt and, you know, one building and then, and then expand across their portfolios and also take us from just New York city to across the U S and, and, and into uh, new countries as well. And I think first and foremost, wired score, the biggest challenge people looking on the laid at my feet was how do you make this matter? 
how do you make this matter to not just us? This like certifications are an interesting product because you, you don't just have a single customer, you know, the buyer in our case, the landlord or developer, the entire ecosystem has to find value in what, what you're trying to do and kind of back you as the common language or, 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 or standard for how buildings will be measured. Hmm. Um, and so before I was able to get any real estate companies on board, it was about really pounding the pavement and presenting to every brokerage team, you know, landlord rep and tenant rep in the city, um, go meet with Redney, the Real Estate Board of New York, our largest industry organization, you know, Urban Land Institute, NAOP, um, to go kind of talk about the inherent benefits to the ecosystem of having a common agreed upon language for measuring and benchmarking connectivity in buildings. Hmm. Um, and so kind of step one was, was starting to matter to the people that landlords care about. And they care about brokers. They care about their architects and engineering partners. They care about their industry organizations. Um, and we started to get a lot of backing that like, hey, look, this like Wired Score could be really good for the industry uh, to have this kind of alignment and ultimately to help kind of facilitate or incent buildings to improve their connectivity. Hmm. And that, like, that's ultimately what, what Mayor Bloomberg and his team were excited about is that if you start rating buildings based on their internet connectivity, you're gonna be able to, to use market forces to convince the real estate companies that are under investing in digital connectivity to compete with the best buildings in the market who not only have great internet connectivity, but have a way, an effective way to promote it far and wide hmm. through, a, through a certification. And so that idea that a certification could kind of raise the quality of our, of our buildings started to take hold with the ecosystem, maybe landlords last, but then finally... I was able to get real estate companies to say, look, we understand now that this matters to brokers. It will matter to tenants and we have to take you seriously. Um, and then I think the second thing, like any business with kind of network effects like Wired Score has, where you know the more landlords that adopt it, the more tenants and brokers care about it. And the more tenants and brokers care about it, the more landlords will adopt it. Um, we had some early early adopters in, in New York City. It was uh, Rudin Management Company, uh, SL Green, uh, Empire State Realty Trust were the first to sign on and, and start signing up their portfolio for Wired Score certification. Hmm. Um, and as soon as that happens, the dominoes kind of start to fall because you, like, as I said, you have these, these network effects and the competitive dynamics of real estate where someone who owns a building across from a Rudin building and Rudin has, you know, earned wired score platinum on, on their building. They're going to want to figure out how they can compete and will give us a call. So <laughs> yeah. it, it, it kind of unfolded from there, but it certainly took, you know, some of the more forward thinking landlords in the city to uh, kind of take a stand and say, look, this certification doesn't exist yet, but we want to be the early adopters and, and kind of leading ambassadors of this platform. Very cool. Network effects are fascinating. Um, I'm reading a book called 
platform revolution right now. And it's got several examples that are really great. Uh, cool. So you mentioned lead. I got a question around just like the philosophy of the way that you certify and sort of score buildings. And I'm assuming as we unpack wired score and smart score um, in a minute, this philosophy will sort of underpin both of them. So like, what's the philosophy around how to score things? Sure, um, I can, I'll answer that at the highest level and then I'll bring, uh, I'll bring Sanjin to see what I've missed here as the person uh, developing our scoring, uh, our scorecards and our, our scoring criteria. But I think for us, um, this has started from day one and is pretty consistent, which there's, there's a few philosophical pillars to how we evaluate buildings. Um, and to take a quick step back, we have two main products. We have Wired Score, which is a certification for digital connectivity, and Smart Score, which will be launched, I think, after this podcast is published. And that's a certification for smart technology. Um, and um, Wired Score, the connectivity certification, is in office and residential buildings. And smart score, um, we're starting just in office buildings to help to help get a, give a lay of the land. Um, back to the question, I think our scoring philosophy really centers on um, first and foremost the the kind of user perspective. And so, our opinion is that for a certification to have value, um, it has to be rating what matters to tenants. Um, and so, we, when we set up a scoring system. Particularly with Wired Score, it's really focused on the end the end user. Um, with Smart Score, as we can get into the details on, it's focused on not just tenants but other users of the building as well: property managers, asset managers, tech solution providers. Um, but we do a lot of research and, and talk to the users of buildings to understand what's most important to them, um, so that the rating has meaning. You know, to put it simply, if you're a broker or a tenant out in the market looking for office space um, and a leasing agent tells you that the building is wired score platinum, that wired score platinum has to represent a better lived experience for you as a tenant in the building. Hmm. Um, I think the second thing is, is really, you know, we, we need to have a crystal ball and, and our scoring needs to be forward looking. And that's of course, because, you know, if landlords and developers kind of, design or plan for today, by the time they improve their connectivity or smart technology infrastructure, it's gonna to be too late because of how slowly everything moves in real estate. So, so part of our value prop is to predict what's coming uh, and allow people to make decisions today on how to improve their building so that they can meet tenant expectation or user expectation years down the road. Hmm. And then the third, I think, philosophical pillar is really around leveraging our unique perspective as a global standard. Hmm. So we now work with 700 different real estate companies in 10 different countries, which makes up about 650 million square feet of real estate. And we think that's a real advantage to, um, to what we do in terms of setting an industry standard, because we have this kind of global perspective and can see what landlords and developers in different countries are doing really well or, or doing not so well. And that really helps us pull out our crystal ball and, and helps us see where the, where the industry is going. 
Um, and so we want to make sure that we're not forgetting our kind of global perspective in determining, you know, what a connectivity standard or smart technology standard should be. Um, Sand, what would you add to that that I may, may have missed? Yeah, I think I think Ari's put it really well, but it's it's really that idea of if we sort of dig a little bit deeper, is we set those outcomes of what a great connected building will deliver to the users, but then. Um, part of the art and science of creating the scorecard is to like pivot that into like, what actually does that break down to into the tangible things that make up the building? And um, as Ari put it, as much as we create the advocacy group around uh, telecoms, ISPs, engineering firms, lawyers, brokers, and landlords, it's also about bridging the different tangible aspects of the building and how they all add up to deliver the outcomes to the users. So we look across sort of the core infrastructure, the service providers available, um, and that sort of future looking readiness that a, a landlord will have, and then align each of those points and each of those criteria that we measure there into one of those outcomes that faces a tenant that really solves the problem. And I think um, you know, Ari mentioned it previously that like when he founded WireScore, the problem was that landlords thought connectivity was a, a tenant problem. And whilst that divide has got smaller, it is still there. And I think what WideScore really does in breaking down those outcomes to give them the lens of like, this is why it matters to a tenant. And this is how you as a landlord can actually implement that change and make your building better connected. It will continue to fight to bring that, um, bring that closer together. And I think um, you know, as the world has changed over the last couple of years, we're really starting to see landlords need to become more occupier facing. And, and this focus on technology and connectivity is a, an area that we really believe WideScore is starting to, to bridge that gap between the landlord and the tenant. Yeah, so, so it's like a, a checklist that if you bridge that gap or if you knock down that silo, you would have these things in place, that type of thing. Yeah, and I think, I think the really important thing is like, we're not saying like by putting another riser or changing this riser, you're giving your tenants a great riser experience. It's around changing you know really distilling back to them, like by making this change over here this is how you're impacting your tenant and hmm. uh, it's that indirect link that is is really important that we solidify through the certification um, to ensure that those tangible changes that landlords and developers can do in their design and implementation of a building are really really do reflect back into uh, tenant tenant requirements and i guess to extend that a little bit further it's even more so when you look into the the residential space where a multi-family or a built to rent in in the uk um, is landlords taking on that next step of delivering a connectivity service to their to their residents hmm. and they're, they're coming from a space where that was just the isp's problem but now they really sit as that that key link between what the isp could offer and how they really enable that end experience um, to the resident. Um, and I think that's something that starts to come back into office, especially with, as we were talking about smart buildings, where we go that, that level of like user service delivery that a landlord would be responsible to be it a tenant or be it a resident um, across different asset classes. Got it. Okay, so how does the, Sanj, how does the process work? So got a, a new existing office building, call it, for wired score specifically, we'll, we'll leave smart score off on the side for a minute. So how does the process work? Yeah, so it's a, we have two sort of distinct pathways. One is for the, the new development or redevelopment of buildings. So something that's coming off plan where we will work with the development team um, and addressing some key features of the building from um, three main categories, which are the, the, the infrastructure, 
um, then the range of connectivity services that are going to be enabled in that building. So that's both looking at obviously fiber for core internet provision, as well as um, various wireless technologies from, from Wi-Fi within the building to rooftop access for uh, fixed wireless to give that resiliency of service. And also more and more a bigger part of our development is looking at in-building mobile performance, which we're seeing as a, a key differentiator, as Ari said, where we're looking where the future is pushing towards. Um, in-building mobile has a lot of the challenges that internet provision to buildings had. 10, 15 years ago, and resurfacing with mobile. So really making sure that landlords are prepared to what the future has for mobile is a key area there. And then finally, that, that readiness piece. So we looked at the infrastructure and the connectivity offerings to the building, and then how is the building preparing to enable a range of services from a, a legal and installation perspective. And that really adds up to tenants as they move into the building, being guaranteed that they're getting um, connected as quickly as they possibly can via a range of services that will give them the most cost efficient and best service they can. And that reassures that their connectivity will be resilient, be that via different connection types or uh, different mediums that they have in the building. We execute that for developments via uh, reviews of design schematics and specifications all through the, the development process. So we have projects that will sign up that might be 10 years out from completing and actually that's the time where we can really start to offer value on looking at the overall sort of master planning of a site and the building all the way through to buildings that are um, just about to go to a detailed design stage where we can ensure that the key sort of features that they set up in the building meet our criteria um, as we as we lay them out um, that then allows for like the full life cycle of the building to go through so as the building hits its full completion and tenancy starts to take up we can transition across to our existing or occupied building certification, which also works for uh, a fresh, like existing building that would join the certification scheme, mm. where we're still covering those same key aspects of ensuring that tenants get a great connectivity experience in terms of how long it takes to get connected, what they're paying for that connection and how resilient it is. But we can actually affect that by a, an on-site audit. So we'll actually send in one of our trained auditors that will do an independent assessment of the building. So they don't walk in with the scorecard. They walk in with a sort of a discovery matrix that they will highlight key features of the building to us in terms of like where connectivity comes into the building, how it's set up within the building, how it propagates vertically through to uh, tenanted areas. And then we, we take that information, bake it back through our scoring algorithm to give um, again, a score for the building across those three categories that I highlighted before around the connectivity services in the building, the infrastructure that propagates that service through the building, and then that um, commercial and provider readiness side of it to make sure that a building is set up in the best possible way to take services hmm. forward. Okay. Hey guys, just another quick note from our sponsor, Nexus Labs, and then we'll get back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Nexus Foundations, our introductory course on the smart buildings industry. If you're new to the industry, this course is for you. If you're an industry vet but want to understand how technology is changing things, this course is also for you. The alumni are raving about the content, which they say pulls it all together. And they also loved getting to meet the other students on the weekly Zoom calls and in the private chat room. You can find out more about the course at courses.nexuslabs.online. All right, back to the interview. So a couple of things to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking only about the IT network or does the OT network or 
yeah. could be spaghetti of mm-hmm. a bunch of different mm-hmm. OT networks uh, included in that. So how does yeah. how does that work? Yeah, so so this is where, as as Ari mentioned before, we have a, a clear sort of division here. Wired score the the certification focuses on tenant digital connectivity. Okay. So really, I guess when Just you're classifying as IT, yeah, setting up that IT capability, especially as like tenants are moving more and more of their infrastructure to the cloud, you know, in effect, your building becomes part of your IT network as a tenant, because mm-hmm. if you lose your cloud connection, you're done. Um, yep. When you talk about the OT and the operational technology side, that's really where smart score starts to step up. Okay. And I think where, um, and that division is really important, landlords have the responsibilities in both sides, obviously, more so in operation technology. But I think where you've seen the difference is in WiredScore, the bridge that we needed to like cross was ensuring the landlords were responsible for delivering that great IT or technology backbone for tenants. Mm-hmm. And in, in SmartScore, where we're really pushing is that landlords are considering how that OT setup can really, really benefit tenants. So they've got that infrastructure, they've got that technology in some form or means. Mm-hmm. Now, how are they promoting how they're actually using it for that full breadth of users that Ari mentioned on? Okay. All right, we'll save, we'll save the OTP yeah. first for the next section here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So talk to me about new technology. You're mentioning future readiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw something about, what is it, CBRG, and then there's 5G, yeah. and then like there's a bunch of things that I just don't know really anything about. So I'm wondering if you could take a quick minute and just explain like what is future readiness for yeah. tenant-side connectivity? Yeah. So just to, uh, uh, so CBRS, I think is the one you oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's no problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's um, some it, spectrum of yeah. frequencies it, it, that and, uh, doesn't even matter to me. <laughs> and, and exactly that. I think, I think actually it's US Navy have given up that frequency band from memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's, what you've really touched on, James, is, is a key thing that's moved, the position's moved over the last uh, few years, which is wireless. And wireless is a, a huge number of things. You know, it could be Wi-Fi. It could be in building mobile stepping up to 5g as you talked around it could be cbrs with this real notion of uh, landlords being able to take responsibility for delivering a mobile network within their building um it could be various sort of smart building technologies around sigfox or LoRaWAN or mbiot but really what you're seeing is the future is wireless and all wireless um that future readiness is where we really need to be looking at is adding that wireless element on top of like the fixed and wired infrastructure we have today. Mm. And all of these have the same systemic problem when we're talking about the built environment, that wireless signals don't travel through energy efficient glass or new building materials particularly well. Mm. Um, So as we get this reliance on, on wireless, we're really seeing this step change in responsibility from landlords of how do you bring that signal source inside? So if you think about it um, from something that we can really hopefully relate to is you wouldn't use, you wouldn't expect to be able to connect to a Wi-Fi network when you're inside the building of a building across the street. You know, you've got yeah. two bits of glass. It doesn't propagate that far. You've got the street in between and, and for, for nothing else, you really shouldn't be able to connect to the Wi-Fi network for the building across the street for, for security purposes. But that the same physical problems exist for, for mobile. So um, CBRS is one approach where landlords have much more control because as you mentioned, the frequency frequencies available more, are more publicly available. Mm-hmm. 
So much like Wi-Fi, you don't have to pay to own some of the Wi-Fi spectrum, but to own some of the mobile spectrum, that's where you're, if we sort of look at the US side, you're sort of um, Verizon, AT&T and your T-Mobile Sprint merger um, would, they own that spectrum. They own the right to send data over those frequencies. So when you try and bring that into a building, you've got to make sure that you're working with those companies mm. to allow the signal to be in the building. CBRS uses a similar set of technology. So it's still sort of looking at how mobile phones can work, but it's using some, some of the spectrum that's actually more publicly available that landlords are actually able to bid for and, and use in their building. But the, as I say, whilst the frequency allocation is slightly different and the, the ownership of it has its own variants, still the problem is wireless signal doesn't travel through Glasswell. Um, so where we're really pushing landlords and that future readiness is, is mobile and wireless technologies are continually evolving. Your building needs to be built up front to be able to accommodate that variation and that expansion of mobile and hmm. wireless as it grows. And that's where like really simple things like just having additional capacity uh, through the building, through the landlord's infrastructure to, to add more cabling or when you're installing things around um network cabling for certain technologies, is there a way that you could look at having more of a, um, a unified system that can propagate multiple different frequencies or multiple different technologies through the through the building? So I think it's a really good example of like future readiness, as, as you touched on, is like, this isn't about guessing that 5G is the future on this particular frequency, and I'm going to put that in my building and put all my sort of eggs in that basket. It's around like, how do we take a step back and make sure that as and when these technologies mature to a level that they're like, a definite must have in the building that I, as a landlord, I can rapidly evolve the way my building is set up to deliver those features. Okay. Very cool. Thank you. So where, where's Wired Score at today in terms of deployment? You mentioned, already mentioned 650 million square feet, something like that. Yeah. And, and in 10 countries, something like that. That That's right. So we, um, we're 650 million square feet across 10 countries and growing. So the ultimate goal is to become a global certification platform um, hmm. for both connectivity and smart technology. And we're really excited about, about the footprint, um, as I mentioned, predominantly for, I think for two reasons. One is, is perspective. So we're like really excited as we grow, like it just continues to help us do our jobs better as the standard bearers as we learn, um, you know, we learn as we go about what's going really well or not so well and infusing that with our own expertise. And then I think second is, as I mentioned at the start of, from why I was excited to found the business, it's really around impact. And, you know, we do these back of the envelope calculations and what our team gets most excited about is this idea that 6 million people work or live in buildings that have been certified by Wired Score. Um, and we know that a, a really significant percentage of the buildings we certify make improvements. I think we estimate about two thirds of the buildings that we certify will make improvements to their building based on the recommendations that are provided as part of the certification process. And so, um, yeah, ultimately we feel like we're, we're truly, you know, removing friction from buildings and improving tenant experience in buildings. And that's, that's the coolest part about all of it because, you know, as we spend most of our time geeking out about, about new connectivity technologies and smart technology, the most important thing in our North Star is what can human beings do when they're in a space that 
is, you know, removed of friction and, and they have access to great connectivity and technology. Yeah. And so that that's that's kind of continues to be our North Star is how do we influence the built environment to provide places that people can create and innovate and do amazing things. And um, and that's that's the thing we're going to continue to try to do as we grow. Very cool. Yeah. The, the analogy for me is with energy benchmarking. Once you see the initial score is great, but once you see those scores start to improve over time, that's where you get the the prideful feeling in your career, which is is super helpful uh, yeah. to, for, for motivation in an industry like ours. Let, let's unpack um, smart score now. So why did you want to add a second second one? Yeah, I'll start at the at the really top level, and then um, Sandra, I think we've learned a lot about smart over the last 12 months, which which I think you should share. Um, but I think at the, at the highest level, to set context for smart score. Um, maybe this is just stating the obvious, but it's a very complicated and <laughs> difficult time to be investing in or managing real estate. Um, and of course, COVID is served as, as this kind of once in a lifetime trend accelerator uh, beyond our wildest imaginations. And what that means in real estate is that we believe there's going to be this like kind of bifurcated or polarized market, which is, will be underpinned by a flight to quality of tenants. Hmm. Um, so, so we're, we're, we're moving to a, to a situation quickly, you know, New York city now has 17% vacancy in commercial real estate, for example, um, where, where tenants have the power of choice and tenants are going to, move to buildings where the building owner takes a real responsibility on providing fantastic experiences to their occupants, um, whether it's an apartment renter or an, an office tenant. Um, and we think the best landlords, the winning landlords in this polarized world will use technology to do that. Hmm. And that the losers in the market are going to kind of fail to deliver great tenant experiences failed to deliver cost efficiencies, failed to deliver sustainable operations, and those buildings and landlords will face increased risk of obsolescence and will be on a slow but sure decline uh, in the years to come. So that's that's what we're kind of seeing in the real estate ecosystem and, and what we're hearing from landlords. Um, on top of that, I think there's some stress on, on the part of real estate companies because we like they know we all know real estate is is very illiquid and it takes years to plan build and lease a building to start realizing the long-term income streams that that folks are seeking and technology implementation can be pretty slow and painful and there's this really fragmented solution provider landscape out there and so it, it's this really stressful moment where where landlords know they move slowly it's hard to navigate the tech solution space and tenants have all the power. Tenants have the power of choice. And like, there's this massive opportunity as a result of that. Like this bifurcation means that there are going to be people that are proactive rather than reactive in taking steps right now to invest in technology that's going to make their buildings provide great experience and cost efficiency and future-proof um, capable and there's buildings that are going to be reactive and they're going to lose. So, so I'll just kind of set the stage and let Sanj continue that it's this once in a lifetime moment where 
where this flight to quality will happen. And there's gonna be huge disparity between winners and losers. And we have a strong opinion on what, what buildings need to do to be in the winning group. Cool. That's very bold and I love it. And uh, I'm excited <laughs> to hear more details. Yeah. yeah, so I think I think Harvey set the scene incredibly well, but you know, it sort of, it boils down to these sort of three key questions that the industry is asking. It's like, firstly, like, what is a smart building? Um, how do you implement smart in a building and make sure you get it right? And, and how do you demonstrate that ROI? And I think you know, really what we're pushing is setting that direction in the market to answer those questions via the certification. Um, we're not saying that we have the answers, but like we have set out the framework and Smart School will help you know, owners really understand how they fit into that ecosystem of Smart and within, um, within the landscape that it's going to become. So sort of, sort of uh, driving through a little bit on that is, is really, Ari mentioned before, we sort of set four outcomes of what we believe a smart building is, um, which much like the time to get connected, cost per speed and resiliency of connection and mobile that we have for wired score, we really believe a smart building has the outcomes of delivering an inspirational experience. It does that in a cost efficient way, is sustainable and is future proofed. Hmm. And okay. we use those as the key pillars for how we develop smart score that will measure up into those. So it's that same sort of pivot that these are what smart building should deliver then how do we actually break that down into the tangible things that a building needs to be to deliver against those outcomes? Okay. Is the experience just for the, like the quote unquote occupant or tenant, or is that everyone who sort of does their job? Like, does that include a facility manager yeah. or? So, yeah, that's a, it's a great question. So um, we've sort of, if I just sort of jump through to like, we put out our framing for what, you know, our definition of smart building, which really helps us frame smart score, which is a, a smart building delivers outstanding outcomes for all users through digital technology to exceed their evolving expectations. And you touched on a really good point, James, like all users. Um, whilst there's many different ways that a building can be set up from, you know, if it's an HQ or it's a prospective multi-tenant building, um, depending on whether the landlord is, you know, more of a, a silent investor that's required, a passive investor that's requiring like a full operations team. There's many different ways of a building being set up, but ultimately you'll have the same types of user across that. You're going to have at the at the owner level, that sort of um, portfolio manager you touched on earlier, when you sort of about that difference of coming at things from the portfolio or the asset level. Mm -hmm. um, then the asset manager, then you sort of run into the building operations team where you're looking at the property manager, building engineer, facility managers, uh, and then at the occupier. And I think it's really important, even at the occupier state, you split that down. Hmm. So you're, you know, with, as Ari mentioned, like with the, the reaction to COVID, like you're seeing the role of the um, CHRO becoming more prevalent in office making decisions, as well as the CTO. So people that aren't directly involved in being in the building, potentially uh, a, a true user of the information that a building could provide. Then you have your traditional you know, building employees, so someone that works at a tenant in the building, their visitors, and more and more so as smart buildings are delivering a range of experience, actual guests and members of the public are, are users of the building. And I think that's a really, you know, the, the notion of a user story or user journey in developing smart features is something that is, is, well, is well founded in the industry. But I think really, ensuring you have that focus on that full breadth of all users is key to ensure that you're delivering the right technology makeup uh, in your building. Cool. And is yeah. it the same sort of philosophy around new and existing buildings as the wired score one? Yeah. So, so we're really happy uh, that the certification works across the full life cycle of the building. 
so that's not only from from planning through to design and construction through to in use uh, so when it's occupied but also really importantly i think with with smart is looking at that um redevelopment or refurbishment stage of a building compared to i guess other features of the building that that cycle that time cycle is coming down where like investment in technology is now on a single digit year rolling scheme and um, the pace of technology change needs to be reacted to as well so we see that um, there'll be this continual investment in smart technology in buildings not a fit and forget type cycle Mm -hmm. so um, that notion of living like having the certification living with the full life cycle of the building something we've really um, strive to deliver in, in its creation yeah i call i call this our industry's like project mindset we have a very uh everyone's trying to win projects and sell one-time products and like what i teach in my course is that's actually the uh, sort of myth and there that's really a, a smart building is an ongoing program right uh, so how do you do a year over year updates to the the certifications so so we run the actual certification space similar with wired school runs on a, a fixed time period so for existing buildings it's, it's every if it's every two years the mm. building will get recertified and with that would come updates in the scorecard and as we sort of dig down a bit more detail i can sort of explain how that would evolve but i think your point that you made before is, is really important it is it is a project and all too often we're seeing buildings approaching things in silos so they might pick, say, one of those four outcomes and say, I want to make a sustainable building and that will make me a smart building. And by going down that approach and not looking at the full breadth of both the users, the functionality they require and the underlying technology, you, you get into a position where you've invested in technology for sustainability and then you invest in technology for experience and then you right. invest in technology to be future-proofed and that you're not having that solid foundation that underpins all of smart to get the true benefits of being ready to be able to deploy as the requirements and those evolving expectations change. Um, and I think that's a, a key element that the, that breadth of smart is something that's been an underestimated in the market to date. Yeah, th- this is a this is a really good point you make here, Sanj. So when I started my course and really when I started my business, so I came from the energy management background, right? And people asked me at the beginning, like, why are you going broad here? And why why aren't you just sticking with sort of your bread and butter, you know, energy management process and deploying analytics and, you know, working with data and only for the energy management process and, you know, doing M&V, there's like a ton of technology there. Like, why didn't you just start the like analytics for energy management course? And what I've been saying is like, yes, those things are like, I still believe heavily in that sort of point solution silo, Mm -hmm. but where we're headed with this is that if you want a green energy efficient building, you also need a smart building. And so I believe it's sort of just like an all encompassing, um, an organization needs a strategy that comes up with a user experience, but it also comes up with an end result of efficiency. And I, I think it's really like a breath of fresh air to hear you guys sort of validate that, I guess. Uh, because it's been a little bit uncomfortable for me, like uh, coming from the background I came from to then expand and say, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to focus on all of these things. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but it's also, I think it's extremely important. I think in order for a sustainable building to operate, it also needs to be smart. Right. And and that's, that's the whole point. I think you've got that right. And that was sort of the problem. One of the problems that was fixed addressed by wired scoring digital connectivity there's so many stakeholders with different parts to play and often telecommunications fell between the gaps 
And I think there's a similar sort of ethos being if you if you approach things in silos, you're not going to deliver that overall user experience uh, where, you know, whoever your user is, is a facility manager, for example, with energy management, they will need input from other technologies in the building to really make that best decision for where the building should go forwards. If they focus everything on what the energy management system says, they aren't making that balanced decision or the building as we evolve won't be able to make that balanced decision on how it can best uh, best operate. Cool. Yeah, totally. So I, I said we'd come back to OT. So um, yeah. So yeah. So OT and this is a it's really a hairy situation that we have mm -hmm. right now. If I can kind of explain where we're at on the OT side real quick from from my experience is that you have it's it's another gap right that no one's really thought about and you have a lot of siloed solution providers like a building automation system contractor who will come in and install you know a dedicated network right uh just to get the connectivity in their system running mm -hmm. which is totally rational and then now you have the next system coming along lighting control system and then the next system coming along access control or <laughs> elevators or yeah. whatever now all of a sudden you have this uh what my friend joe calls a hodgepodge of ot networks that are just a total you know spaghetti mess right um and so I guess my question is around how you guys handle that piece of the, the scorecard and then sort of how that sort of enables a smart building. And, and what I've been teaching in my course is that there's actually like two parts of smart, right? So there's the infrastructure that enables your user stories. Like you said, I call them use cases, but same thing, I think. Uh, there's the infrastructure that can enable or your use cases and how how, do, how does that score, right? Um, and then there's the outcomes themselves. We've designed out use cases and this is the direction we want to head for our building and how, how we're going to define smart, right? And then here's how well those are working, right? So that's kind of how I think about the yeah. scorecard piece. Yeah, perfect. I'd love to hear you guys talk about Yeah, it. so I could probably just say back what you just said to me, but I'll say it our way. Uh, so our scorecard is broken down into two sections. Uh, the first is user functionality and the second is technological foundation. Oh, cool. And it's exactly the same <laughs> as what you said. So we set a breadth of user functionality across sort of six categories, but these are okay. of, the, of that broad range of users that we said, here are the smart building user stories we set out. There's around mm -hmm. 40 of them and they're in categories from anything from individual and collaborative productivity through to well-being, through to sustainability, looking at maintenance and operations. So really looking at the full breadth of what the users in the buildings need to have. And for each of those, we've got the user stories and we want to see how technology has been implemented to execute those user stories at a, a great level of functionality. And that's where our technological foundation section comes in, which is what is in the building? How is it put together? But I think what's really key is that itself subdivides into a couple of key areas. One is like, you know, what is in the building and how well is it set up from a connectivity building systems perspective, everything you just, reeled off um, and a, a networking capability. And really we're looking at interoperability. So how is a common core being used to bring all those systems together? How many of those systems interact with each other? And of those systems, what level of access are they giving people from a reporting, from a trend analysis perspective, or all the way through to levels of automation and remote control and access. So that's your sort of physical system. And then on top of that, what are the software interfaces that you're, you're enabling users to interface with those systems? So that sort of covers that one part of operational technology, but touching back to our discussions around like how people approach implementing technology, 
I think there's an equal weighting that we've got in that technological foundation around overall strategy. Hmm. And that has three independent parts. It's like that governance. So where is that project plan? Where is that master plan of what you're doing with SMART? How are you checking it's effective, checking it's still the right, the right topics? And, and how are you promoting that to your tenants and users so they can integrate with it? Then two key subcomponents to that, which underpins implementing technology is cybersecurity and, and data sharing. And again, we see these both as top-down policy-led approaches, which set the strategy that a portfolio or a landlord or an asset needs to have to ensure that that um, technology that's been implemented and brought together by a well-organized and well-put-together OT mindset is also ready to address the cybersecurity concerns that we'll have today and in the future. And also, really importantly, is well set up from what it will do with its data. So not only how it's capturing data, especially when we talk about personal information, but how it's assimilating that data into like a, a common structure that can be used to truly represent the building, not only for, let's say, modeling or prediction in the future, but really becoming a tangible value point of the building. I think that's one point that we really see as a um, that sort of future-proofing point of smart, and we proved it over the years with connectivity, that this data piece or this smart piece will drive value in, in real estate. And um, we see how you take the operational technology and your strategy, um, your strategic part on top of it, to give you like a true data, uh, a true data model of what you have um, is, is super important to the future-proofing of that building. Cool. I have some questions around architecture, but they're, they're probably more nerdy than we want to get today. So maybe we'll save yeah. those uh, for, for a later discussion. Yeah. Cool. Um, so James, it might be worth mentioning um, just in terms of, of the scorecard development. And by the way, exciting to hear um, the way you teach your course and think about the world seems to be really well aligned with- Super, the... super aligned. Yeah, even cool. everything Sandra just said. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Well, we've come to, but but it, we also had the benefit this time around with Smart Score in a way that we didn't originally, you know, seven years ago at the founding of the company to develop the certification and the definition for Smart. Um, we we had help, and so we were able to bring together um, what we call the Smart Council mm. of thirty global landlords or so, um, people like Heinz and. British Land and Hudson Pacific and Rudin, um, Blackstone, John Buck. Um, it's it's a lend lease, um, really fantastic list, and engineering firms. So Sandra, we were we had uh, WSP and SP, Acom and Arab, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's been a long process, but we've been able to run it in a way. And Sandra's done an amazing job of of kind of getting, you know. There's very distinct uh, and varied opinions on on this, but being able to get everyone kind of in a virtual room to hash this out and get the industry aligned behind it has been really um, really useful part of the process. And so we're really really excited about that. Like as an example, uh, on the user story side of our certification, we how many how many user stories did we start with? We were about 150 when we started. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And have, have narrowed down to 40, 40 of what yeah. we think are the most important um, to yeah. try to bring some clarity and, and prioritization to what SMART means in actuality and in practice. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a lengthy, but we think super effective process. Very cool. 
Um, it's super validating to hear that you guys have gone through all of that. Uh, <laughs> and, and we've, we've come to the almost same conclusion. Uh, Cause for me, the, you know, I've done a lot of the development of my course just based on how I or others have just messed up projects in the past. So it's more like deduction, not from getting all this input. Well, some partly getting a lot of input. You know, I have a lot of people reviewing my content when I'm putting it out, but a lot of it's just been deduction based on what I call landmines when people blow projects up. Um, and so I think we've converged from two different angles, which is really cool. So given my research, I wanted to ask you on smart score real quick. I realized that there are several different scoring mechanisms in our industry. How, how do you think about sort of smart score in context with the other ones going on? Yeah, I think, look, first and, first and foremost, I think it validates uh, that there's, there's pain here in the industry yeah. and that, as Sanj mentioned, there's a, there's a lack of a common definition um, and understanding about what smart really means and, and like there's no goal line to, to target around smart. Um, and that's obvious. And I think we're interesting seeing other standards developed in other parts of the world you know, outside of where, where Wired Score operates today reinforces that this is a global problem. Um, I think we're really excited to see that more transparency is coming to this space. And, and as I said, like we want, ultimately we want buildings to be designed and managed better so that people can do amazing things in that space. And so we're excited to see other companies try, trying to do the same thing. You know, of course, taking a step back and thinking about uh, certifications and standards, one of the real benefits is a common, simple language that the whole ecosystem can rally around. And we believe SmartScore has the best chance of being that common language and, and understanding that everyone can share on the real estate side of the table to the technology solution provider side of the table to the broker and, and occupant. Um, and, and we're, you know, we have some pretty amazing partners to help, help us make smart score that kind of global standard. So we're going to, we're going to continue to push to make that, uh, make that a reality and, and just glad to see that the space is starting to kind of heat up when it comes to landlord and developer attention on smart and, um, I think a lot of good things will come from it. Very cool. So what's the status of the launch? Um, you guys have an event coming up. I don't know how exactly the timing will work out with when this is published versus when that happens, but maybe you can just talk about it in general at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Either be in a rear view or, or right in front of us. Um, Sam, do you want to give a quick... Uh... Yeah, yeah. So we're really excited um, for, for WildScore. As I mentioned, we're operational in, in 10 countries right now, but this will be our first global launch. So we are launching across all the markets we operate in concurrently, uh, and it's going to be on April 20th. And it's also going to be our first uh, virtual launch for, for reasons that we are well aware of. But we're really excited that we've got... Um, we've got approaching, I think right now, 1300 people signed up to attend. Um, and we're going to have a, uh, a panel set up with the led by the world sort of most innovative real estate professionals, again, going across that spectrum of landlords and technologists, um, and really getting that full rounded discussion. And we'll be, I guess, the, the, the biggest part of this is be really excited to announce um, 
the buildings have committed to smart score that will be uh, hmm. going through that launch and we've had really great pickup and traction on that um so far in the market and uh we're really excited but won't mention now some of the really high profile buildings that uh, we'll get to announce on the day as well so it'd be um we're really looking forward to the launch as a, an opportunity to really promote the work um, that the council and the research advisors have done to date, as well as those landlords and buildings that are really taking that first step to, to show they're the, the industry leaders in, in really what a smart building is. Very cool. And we'll have, obviously, all link, links to these things in the show yeah. notes. Uh, well, thanks so much, guys. This has been been fun, not only to be personally validated, but also to learn, <laughs> learn, learn about the, the scoring yeah. systems. So yeah. thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, James. Yeah, thanks, James. This is a lot of fun. And uh, keep, keep, keep doing your good work uh, in this space as well. We, we love to see it. All right, friends, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nexus Podcast. For more episodes like this and to get the weekly Nexus newsletter, which, by the way, readers have said is the best way to stay up to date on the future of the smart buildings industry, please subscribe at nexuslabs.online. You can find the show notes for this conversation there as well. Have a great day.